Welcome everyone to WRPX, your wrestling revolution podcast. I'm your host, Antonio Garza. And just as we promised uh, this week, we are having a second episode. And let me tell you like how this thing came about. So on, on Wednesday, we released the draft episode, which has had been like uh, on our schedule ever since we did the 2020 best of show. So we knew that we had to do that this week. And I specifically kind of picked this week because I figured, um, like I saw the calendars and I figured, I think this is a week that I can kind of take off. Like New Japan right now is just doing like road to shows. Uh, Impact did have their pay-per-view, but I figured, I don't think Impact, uh, the actual episode is going to be that noteworthy. It's probably just going to be like a lot of like potential rematches and just, uh, you know, like, a little fallout here and there, but like nothing big. And the only other show that I knew that I was gonna have was start on the tenth anniversary. I wasn't really sure if we were even gonna get it uh, up on starting world, so I didn't even like got worried about it. So I figured we can do uh, and this week we can do the draft and then just have like a mini sode for hard to kill. But alas, it ended up being that the impact episode was indeed. Uh, pretty newsworthy and also on tuesday they started uploading the stardom 10th anniversary and so i just started watching it crazily enough uh it was also the case that they when i started watching it they didn't have all the matches uploaded and so i also had to like delay this episode like two days till i could watch the rest of the show because I was missing two matches on Tuesday. And so like everything got slightly delayed, but at the end we are here and we have pretty much now a full show. This is not just like a mini show. Now we have like a full show because we are going to be talking about Stardom's 10th anniversary. We are going to talk about Hard to Kill and we are going to talk about Impact on Tuesday. And so that is on the play today. Let's get it started. And let's start with Stardom. Uh, this is the 10th anniversary of Stardom. This took place uh, January 17th at Caracan Hall. Um, this was, uh, it was a shortish show, actually. I, I thought it went by pretty quickly. Uh, potentially because I was watching, like, Stardom uploads, like, the whole show, but also uploads just the matches. And so I was just watching the matches. So maybe that's why it kind of felt like things were going faster. But I thought this show was really great. Um, like by the time I was on download with the third match, I thought this was like just a fantastic show uh, because I really, really liked the first three matches. Uh, th- towards the end, there was one, not, I wouldn't say stinker, but it just wasn't, I guess, the best thing. And... And so it did kind of like make me feel like, oh, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I, my, my feelings that, that I had, like with the first three matches are not here anymore, but at the end, like just one bad match is not gonna like, like screw everything, you know? So the show opened with the future of stardom title match. Saya Ida, the champion defeated Sayaka Unagi. 
uh, to retain the title. Uh, Sayaka, for those that may remember, she was in Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. And she really, like, I think she was a fan favorite for her looks, but not necessarily for her wrestling. She, I didn't really feel like she had done much in Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. But um, I... I don't know, like in the the small amount of time that she's been with Stardom, I do feel she is a different type of wrestler. She's getting to the chance to show what she has, and and I think that she has the potential to be to be pretty good if she keeps on on training and, and everything. And, and on the other side was Sayaida, who I just think is going to be a, a mega star one day. She is so fucking good right now, and. Her look is just somewhat different from everyone else, especially that Stardom likes to push because she is short, but she's like a little tank. And so, uh, I don't know. I think she has a really unique look. Uh, she's kind of she, like, if you want to like make comparisons, you can see her as like Tass, you know, that, that short but super tough wrestler. And I love it. Uh, the, the match was, was pretty it was good it was uh i think they got like around eight to ten minutes it was good uh it was a lot of like saya doing like her power stuff and and sayaka being slightly taller she would like use that to to get some advantage but at the end uh ida got like a like a dragon sleeper on the second rope and then turn it into a ddt i don't know if that move has a name but that's the way she won good match uh next that we had Konami versus Natsupoi, and this was just also great. Also kind of short, but um, I don't know. I just loved it. I Konami has always been one of my favorite uh, wrestlers in Stardom, and Natsupoi is slowly becoming one of my favorite wrestlers in in Stardom too. Maybe all of Joshi. I just love like like the athleticism and and acrobatics that Natsupoi pulls off are just fantastic like she has a back a gymnastics background and so she like she puts it into her matches and she just looks amazing um the the this match ended with konami she locked in like a fujiwara armbar on natsupoi and then she like so she locked it in the referee was trying to like like break it because natsupoi had reached the ropes and so Konami pushed the ref away and behind the ref's back, she like put a chair around Natsupoi and went back to the to the submission. And so the referee the this like DQ her, which I mean it makes sense. But um so Natsupoi wins, it keeps Konami strong. Konami is a tag champion, so this obviously like this is not really an argument for Natsupoi to chase a tag title. Uh, and that's because we are going to see what's going to happen next in a little bit. But this, I don't know, like, I just thought, like, this match was really good. It was fun. Next up, we had the high-speed title match. Uh, this, I mean, I mean, high-speed, they usually go really short. This was five minutes, but it felt like a full-on show. I love this. This was Asumi, uh, the champion, defending against Kaori Yonejama. And this this wasn't, like... Gokigen Death or, or any of those. This was Kaori Yoneyama, which I I think it was like no more than a month ago. I made the the, the complaint <laughs> on Twitter that why does Yoneyama 
fight under a different name and under face paint for stardom right now if she is arguably like her name is bigger than half of the roster in stardom but she she's here uh this is you know high speed jorajama and this was also fucking great this was even better than the previous two matches i i thought this match was super brutal because the like the moves that asumi was going for were like they look like scary and Yonayama it was just taking them like a champ and then you had like Yonayama doing like apron jumping knees and like this was brutal it was just five minutes of like legit high speed action and it was fantastic i, I fucking love this match um asumi won with like with an arm bar and but like it was weird like the arm bar itself the extension wasn't like it didn't look like that savage but she also had lick scissors on which made it seem like a more complex submission but it, it was fun uh after the match uh natsupoi who we had just seen against konami came out and challenged asumi for the high speed title at budokan at nippon budokan on march 3rd uh natsupoi just i think she signed officially with stardom like right before the show started and so you know she's going to start chasing chasing some titles and she's going to go after the high speed title for asumi so natsupoi versus asumi i think should be an amazing match i hope they get like more than five minutes like give them 20 like 10 minutes and it could be fucking awesome uh that is a match that could like potentially steal your show you know uh Next up, we had Starlight Kid versus, versus Tom Nakano. So the the story here is uh, in the last show they did Starlight. Well, not, not the last show, but like I think the last one that we talked about. We saw an elimination match where Starlight Kid pinned Tom Nakano. Uh, both these women use the Tiger Suplex as one of their signature moves. And so... This match was mostly about Tam Nakano getting her win back and they kind of made it to be like a race between who could use the Tiger Suplex to put their opponent down. Not necessarily the fastest, but just like who could actually like do it. And and that was the match that was back and forward. It pretty much all built to the Tiger Suplex exchanges. Uh, Starlight Kid hit hers first. Uh, Nakano was able to kick out and then Starlight Kid kept going for the Tiger Suplex but at the end Nakano hit hers and she actually won she she I, I mean it's obviously like I, I don't think it was on purpose but she had she hit like a really high angled version of it with a, a tremendous bridge it was just beautiful execution and so she picked up the win I I kind of figured this was obvious for anyone watching. Nakano is still building towards the Mayu Watani match. I think that is booked for the 30th. I think that's the 30th. And so obviously it just made sense for uh Tam Nakano to not only to win but also like to pin one of Iwatani's stablemates. It just made sense. Uh, but it was a good match. It was, it was really good. I, I've heard people say that this was their favorite match of the of the show. I, sure. I, I, 
I mean, I didn't think it was close to like Asumi and Yoneyama or or even the main event, but I I can understand it. Uh, it was a really good match. Next up, we had the four-way elimination tag team match. So this is Queen's Quest, uh, Momo Watanabe and Saya Kamidani versus Oedotai, B. Priestley and Saki Kashima versus Stars, Mayu Iwatani and Ruaka and versus Donna del Mundo, Himeka, and Siuri. So, uh, just to make one thing clear, the tag champions are B. Priestley and Konami, but since Saki Kashima is teaming with Priestley here, the titles were obviously not on the line, nor really, like if you pin Saki Kashima, you don't really earn a title match. So, I guess it was just like the way to get out of that. I thought the match was a mix of okay and good stuff. To me, like at first when you had Ruaka and Himeka in there, uh, B Priestley, the match was kind of like, it was okay. Like nothing special. Uh, Mayu Iwatani, I don't know if Iwatani at this point is hurting still, but she was the first eliminated by like she went for the double arm drag from the like where she jumps to the top rope and then she got pushed outside and so that's how stars got eliminated uh she iwatani really didn't do anything in the show other than i think she did like a tope suicida early in the match but that was it but then uh once the match like came down to queen's quest and dona del mundo the match got really good uh, like BPC and Saki Kashima were doing mostly like cheating and stuff like that. Uh, so I wasn't like, it wasn't bad, but I wasn't like, eh, it's nothing special. But like when it came down to Queen's Quest and Donald Moon, that's when it got awesome. We got like a great, we got like just great stuff between Momo, uh, Kamitani and Siuri. Like the four, the three of them were just fantastic. Kimeka was there, but Kimeka just like kept coming in and out. But it was just Yuri versus Watanabe and, and Kamitami that it was just really, really good. Uh, it has already been announced that Yuri and Watanabe are going to be wrestling not long. Uh, it is before Budokan, but it's not long till they, till they wrestle. They're probably going to go for the SWA title, which should be amazing. Like the thing that the, the one thing that I after this match, I was like, I want to see is Momo Watanabe versus Yuri and they're gonna give it to me really soon so just perfect you know like that's that's like the perfect booking they give you a match and they make you want to see something and then they give it to you like soon after boom you can't ask for anything better uh then we had the two main events the title matches the first one was for the white title the wonder of stardom title this was a no rules match like no dqs and it was Julia, the champion, defending and defeating Natsuko Tora. So, I th- this was the match that I didn't think it was particularly any good. Uh, I've seen some people say that it it was better than what I expected. I honestly didn't expect anything, so I guess I could agree. But I still thought it was pretty weak. Mm. I like. Nothing against Natsuko Tora, but she wasn't particularly good in this match, especially early on. Uh, there was a bunch of spots that just seemed like out of time. They seemed like they were in the wrong position. 
there was one specific i think it was like a back fist from natsuko that completely missed julia from like miles and and i was glad that julia didn't sell it but um like it was just that that type of like just roughly wrestling that it was looking like all over the place um at one point even the referee was getting in the way of julia hitting the ropes so like it started really weak uh and then as the match went on it did kind of, like the wrestling did kind of get better the problem was that this being a no rules match it also meant that you had to do like you had to set up all the the weapon spots and so that's like sometimes when the wrestling was starting to look good they would just have to halt to set up whatever big spot came next and that would obviously like just kind of hurt the match too um the the big spots really were like julia kept breaking uh like cement like roofing tiles uh at first she put them all on top of natsuko and she went like for the karate shop and then later on she made like a pile of this uh like tiles and she slammed natsuko tora on the the tiles and th those were really about the biggest pots there was a lot of like using chains and stuff like that but nothing really like important in my opinion uh it was kind of cool to see dona del mundo and oedo tai just brawling outside the ring while the other two were wrestling it kind of like it helped distract at least me while they were setting up like the spots like i was paying attention to the outside so it did help distract me sometimes but but still like i mean it wasn't gonna save uh, you know the match you know so i don't know like i thought that was kind of weak i i gave it like a like a 2.5 stars i i don't know like i guess i'm not the biggest fan of natsuko i like that she's in stardom i like that she's really the only one that does her style in stardom right now so i think she does have like she is a benefit to the promotion i just didn't think this was a good mesh between julia and natsuko that's it uh after the match julia said that this was her fifth defense and she was she seems to be uh getting ready to defend again at Korakon hall in february meaning that we are still not gonna know what she's gonna do at budokan uh so far she seems to be like eyeing a, a defense next month so it's probably next month that we're gonna know what she's gonna do for budokan at this point i'm not really sure what or who she may get at budokan because mm, budokan is already starting to take shape we know that's going to be mayu watani versus Yoshiko. we know that it's going to be momo watanai versus um uh, nanai takahashi uh we know that it's going to be asumi versus natsupoi we are going to get Utami Hayashishita and Spoiler versus Saya Kamitani. So certain names are starting already to get, uh, you know, their, their names on that card. We are still missing Julia. And at this point, uh, I can't really think of many challengers for Julia that are like title worthy. And like at this point, given everything that we have right now, I feel it's 
Dam Nagano. I don't know if that is the best way to do it, but they have feuded for a while. It could be just doing a match for the title. But then again, we may get maybe like something with stars versus uh, the cosmic uh, angels. So I don't know, like it, I'm still waiting to see what Julia is going to be doing at Bulokan. But so far, we know that she's going to be defending the title once more in February. And finally, we had the main main event, the World of Stardom title match, the Red Belt. Utami Hayashishita, the champion, defeating Micah from Dona del Mundo. This match was just... I was easily like the match of the night. Like, the action from Konami or Natsupoi or Asumi or Yonayama was like, in my opinion, somewhat superior. But... In terms of a match planning and everything, this was just the best match of the night. Um, Utami worked on Micah's back. Micah worked on Utami's arm. They were both pretty much chasing their, their finishers. Mm, the match was back and forward. And at the end, uh, after Micah got a, like a little final run where she got like a couple of near falls, but then Utami made her like big power come back and she won with the bomb um my, my takeaway from this is that like Hayashishita still needs to work on you know like wrestlers like when you have a good wrestler it's a wrestler that can do like can, they can start the match in first gear and then hit second gear to end the match and then you have like let like just amazing wrestlers, you know, like your Okadas and your Tanahashis who have a third gear. And I think Utami Hayashita is missing that third gear right now. She hits second gear and the matches are really, really good, but they're not like, you know, legendary or anything. And I think that's what Hayashishita just needs to work on. Um, obviously, it takes two to tango. So, but, but also like in those terms, like Micah looked fantastic like we knew there was no chance in hell that she was going to win um their their, their record is one 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 between the two and so at this point we knew that the champion was just going to win and, and get the advantage on the record but nonetheless she made micah look like a legit threat um and micah looked fantastic she i mean micah just lost the future of storm title meaning that she is still new to stardom and to the business and and she already looked to be like someone who has like the pose and talent that could belong in a main event so if if micah just keeps on on working she can surpass like many of her of her peers she was really really good in this match she looked like a legit main eventer i was really happy for her and after the end, we had Hayashi Shita. She was cutting her her winner's uh, promo, the usual thing. And her stablemate, former tag team uh, partner, uh, Saya Kamitami, got in the ring and made the challenge for Budokan. She said, like, hey, you know, like, my record may not be the best <laughs> right now, but I have the Phoenix Splash, and I think the Phoenix Splash can take you down. And so Tommy said, like, well, I don't think the Phoenix Splash is going to be enough, but 
I believe that Budokan by be like should be main evented by the future of stardom and you and me we are the future of stardom and so the challenge is made it's going to be Utami Hayashishita and Sayaka Mitani uh, I don't know if it's going to main event uh, Budokan because I wouldn't be surprised if Iwatani versus Yoshiko main event but that is going to be the, the red title match for Budokan and it's it's a lot to put into Sayaka Mitani. She's also somewhat new to stardom and the business. So, I mean, good for her. She's going to be getting like a huge, huge match at arguably stardom's biggest show uh, to as of late <laughs> in their 10 year uh, run. So good for her. So, like I said, this was I found this was a good show. I. I wasn't really sure what to expect overall to the show when I came in, but I ended up like just really, really liking it. Uh, like I said, like the only match that was like, like again, I wouldn't call it a stinker. I just didn't think it was that good. It was Julia versus Natsukotora. But even then, like it wasn't, it wasn't like insulting or anything, you know, like I'll rather watch Natsukotora and Julia wrestle more than many other promotions out there, you know? So good for them. And and that was Stardom. That like I said, like this was January 17th. So if you want to go watch it, so read Stardom World. It's definitely worth your time. But now it's time to take it to the United States for the Impact Traffic Report. Welcome everyone to Impact Wrestling. So Hard to Kill took place on January 16th. That was last Saturday. It was Impact's first big pay-per-view of the year. Uh, it's the second time they do a Hard to Kill. And the previous one, it was controversial, but it lived up to the name. So this one also had like a big main event um, because Kenny Omega was here and everyone celebrates over Kenny Omega. But overall, I thought the show was it was good. I thought the show was good. I I was a big, big fan of the main event of the TLC, not TLC, uh, the X Division three weight match. And in a way, I was I really, really liked the barbed wire massacre match. Even though I, I've said many times that I'm not a big fan of weapon stuff right now during the pandemic, but I thought it was a good show. It's you know. It, it's a card that was mixed also with stuff like Crazy Steve and Rosemary. So you, I don't think anyone should come in and expect like amazing stuff from Rosemary versus Neil Dashwood. But if you look overall at the whole card, it wasn't a bad show. Uh, it had like good stuff overall. So from we, we can start all the way from the top. This was the impact. This was a show where Matt Stryker and D'Lo Brown debuted as the new commentary team. Um, in the pre-show, Madison Rain announced her retirement. Uh, she recently graduated from school. So I do believe she's just now going to go in and have like a normal career uh, outside of wrestling. She's just going to like actually practice whatever she studied. And... Josh Matthews got a 
I guess like a promotion. She he will now be working backstage in production. So good for him. I mean, good for both of them. Congratulations. Uh, but now the team is Matt Stryker and Dilo Brown. My first impressions is that Stryker is better than Josh Matthews. Like, no doubt. Uh, just in just just the fact that a striker will name drop stuff like Juna Kijama or the IWGP title or the Cow Palace, you know, like stuff like that or Mexico makes him so much better than Josh Matthews, who legit never sounds excited, who is always just running through the motions. He doesn't he never really shows that he knows wrestling beyond what is being shown on the screen. And and then and like Madison Rain, she was really good. I loved what she did during knockouts uh, matches, but she was never really a commentator. She was just filling in for Don Callis, and she ended up staying. And and so I thought she was like a great heel announcer, but you know it, it it's not it, it wasn't her forte. That's it. So now we have Stryker and D'Lo Brown. I thought Stryker in this show was good. Uh, he didn't fully go into his full, like, you know, like just trying to show off mode, which I am guessing will, won't, will eventually come out. And, and D'Lo Brown sounded like he is a guy that's just learning. I don't think that D'Lo has ever done commentary for any other promotion, at least not on a constant basis. And so... He he did sound like someone who will need to like you know work on the kinks and and get uh, some experience. But he sounded confident. He is also a guy that just has experience like in in Japan, in the U.S., and all types of promotions. So he is like just uh, he's a box of of history. He in a similar way like you can compare him to someone like JBL who like can come in and just have references from all over the world and from all every era of wrestling so i think dilo brown is going to be good as you know as he starts to progress and i just hope that matt striker is a guy that can like properly drive dilo brown and like throw throw the ball the ball back and forward between him and, and so they can you know grow together i hope like i said like i hope my matt striker can keep it in his pants and not go overboard uh as he sometimes does like I, I remember when and with Lucha Underground, he started off good, but then towards the end, he was starting to just like become Matt Striker, and so I don't know. We'll we'll see how the team does. At least for now, I am and li- I'm liking it. I am enjoying it. I do feel like there's slightly more passion in commentary now, um, so that's good. And also, I I should mention that this is a show where Impact debuted. Uh, fake crowd noise when the first time we saw it was during the Brian Myers versus Josh Alexander match uh, in the pre-show and I think everyone was like oh what the fuck like fake crowd noise but I will say by the end of the show I thought it was a huge improvement Uh, for once it doesn't sound like necessarily fake because like if you if you watch other wrestling promotions that are doing this, or if you watch like sports, sometimes it's just like a noise track that doesn't go up and down, doesn't have like 
any changes. It's just noise. But I think Impact has someone in the like in the control room just doing noise. And so we do see the noise go down when there's just like like chain wrestling. But then when we see like a high spot or a submission or a nearfall, they always turn the noise up. And so it does kind of seem like like reactions. Uh, it's obviously not as natural as actually having fans in the stands. But it was really close to it. It was really good. I At the end of the show, like I just felt it was an improvement. And when you're watching a match, if the match is good, you forget that there's noise. There's It's just noise there. But it, it does help that you're not just watching wrestling in silence. So it was good. Uh, other stuff that was relevant in the pre-show was, like I said, Brian Myers versus Josh Alexander. Myers defeated Alexander when he like pushed the... He pushed the the headgear down, and so he got like the upper hand, and, and he won with the his lariat. The match was really good. They, since it was the only match in the pre-show, they got a good amount of time, so it was good. Brian Myers, uh, he, I still don't think his character is anything special, but he is starting to prove that inside the ring, he is perfectly capable of having good matches, and you know, it comes to show like. A bunch of these guys leave WWE and they were never able to show anything. And once you go outside and have a, a match, um, it ends up being pretty good. Uh, so I, I enjoy this. Uh, once the show actually started, we started with Caleb with a K and Tennille Dashwood versus Crazy Steve and Rosemary. I thought this was, this is going to be, in a way, when it comes to wrestling, the weakest thing of the show. Uh, it was nothing special. The only thing that I would say was great was Crazy Steve and Caleb. Um, Crazy Steve starting to really, really show potential in the last month. I hope he can grow. I I am really happy that Decay is a thing again because this means that Crazy Steve is not gonna be the wacky monkey like pet thing clown. Crazy Steve in the case slightly more dark. He even like changed his his uh, face paint, and I I have high hopes for Crazy Steve right now. I think DK is going to do better for him than what he was doing, and he like inside the ring. This is the second show that we talk about where Crazy Steve just legit looked good. So I hope I have a high hopes for Crazy Steve uh, in the coming months. Uh, the, the finish saw Steve and Rosemary hit Dashwood and Caleb with Green Mist, respectively. And then um, Crazy Steve hit like the second row DDT on Caleb for the win. So it was good. Uh, we had an old school's rule six-man tag team match. This was violent by design. That is the team of Eric Young, Yo Doring, and Cody Diener. Defeating Cousin Jake, Rhino, and Tommy Dreamer. This match wasn't particularly like good inside the ring, but you can't expect much from a match with Tommy Dreamer. But uh, this, I'd say this match had two purposes. One was to finally give us some Cousin Jake versus Cody Jr. stuff and to give us Joe Doring in the ring as a monster, and he got built as a monster. He was a guy that no matter what was happening in the ring, no one could bring him down to to like to his knees. The the much the the most that we saw was him going down to one knee. 
But like he was taking suicide dives, he was taking chairs from everyone, and no one could bring him down. So like that is totally monster build right there. It, it took us a gore from Rhino to finally get him off, and and it didn't even lead to the pin. Like the pin was Eric Young hitting a pile driver on Cousin Jake. So if if anything else, the the building of Joe Doring as a monster was a total success in this match. And I do think we're, we're still owed uh, a little more Cousin Jake versus Cody Jr. Uh, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I, I think we're still owed. Next up, we had uh, a quick meeting between Rich Swan, Chris Saban, and Moose. And as we talked uh, last week, Moose is replacing Alex Shelley in the main event. And so there was obviously the the whole idea that hey Rich Swan and Moose are feuding how are we doing this, but they actually managed it perfectly. Uh, Rich Swan and Saban are not trusting Moose, but Moose says like hey, like I've been playing sports my whole life, and when I play, and it doesn't matter what team I play for, I always play to win. And so tonight I am playing for Team Impact, and I'm not gonna let any baiters or traders uh, make fun of us. And so this was like the perfect, it was almost like a total baby face promo by Moose just saying, uh, I am team impact and don't worry. Like I will fight for impact. Uh, like this is not about Swan versus Moose. This is about impact versus, uh, I guess the bullet club at this point. I don't know what to call it. So I, I love that, that promo from Moose. We had the finals, finally, of the Impact Knockouts Tag Team Tournament. This was Havoc and Nevea versus Kira Hogan and Tasha Steels, with Hogan and Steels taking the win. Um, the match wasn't necessarily any good. Uh, Havoc and Nevea are not necessarily the best wrestlers, but like, I think Kira Hogan and Tasha Steels, their tag team work did make the match like good or watchable. Um, Havoc was the baby face in peril, which made it kind of weird because she was the biggest woman in the match. But when you see Hogan and Steels as a tag team, it does kind of save it a little bit because they are so good as a tag team. They they really complement each other. So it was uh it was like if anything else, it was just fun because watching Hogan and Steels is fun. Uh, they got the win at the end over Nevea and they became the tag team champions. Gail came and Madison Rain came out to present the title to the winner, so that was like a nice, nice touch. So no complaints here. Uh, the the right the right team won, so perfect. We had and a promo by Ace Austin who came down and he was just complaining that this was a pay per view and he was the Super X Cup winner and he wasn't featured in the show, and so he wanted to be added to the to the X Division title match. But instead of that, Scott Demore came out and gave him his own match, which was next. And it was against the debuting Matt Cardona, formerly known as Zack Ryder. This was like a two, three minute match. It was it was just mostly Matt Cardona getting heat on Ace Austin. Well, not heat, like just getting the better of Ace Austin until Madman Fulton came in for the DQ. And then Cardona cleared the ring. This was nothing but 
it really didn't have to be anything when we're just trying to show that Matt Cardona is debuting for Impact, you know? It, it would have been worse to have Matt Cardona debut and just go either 50-50 or lose against Ace Austin. And it's not like Ace Austin lost uh, in a bad way. He, he, I mean, it was by DQ. So, I mean, it was so good. I, I have no complaints. It got Ace on the show, and that's the best thing. I, I don't really give a fuck about Matt Cardona. I, I never liked him in, in WWE. I have I have zero opinions of him on AW, and I'm pretty sure that his time and impact will be like, man, I have I don't care about this guy. And then we go into the title matches of the night. The first one is the Impact X Division title, three-way title match. Uh, Manic defending against Rohi Rahu, Raju, and Chris Bay. This was awesome. It was just like, Honestly, I thought it was an awesome match. It was just a bunch of action, a bunch of like, uh, like in in this case, for instance, Manic is doing submission stuff. Rohit is the striker and Chris Bay is like the big spot high fly guy. So it was just like a big combination of styles and whatever the, the, the pair up worked perfectly. At no point they pretended to do like the whole, oh, Rohi, Raju, and Chris Bay are going to work together against Manic. Like from the start, they didn't like each other. They've never liked each other. So they were just going at it. Um, it was just great. A lot of uh, great like three-person spots and three-person wrestling. And at the end of the, the match, we saw Rohi do like all the work to, to defeat Chris Bay. But then... Manny jumped in and got the win. And so it was kind of similar to how we've seen Rohi Raju win before. So it was kind of nice. It was like a nice throwback. But uh, I don't know. Like, I liked it. This wasn't the same. It was Manic. And I think that the, the only real complaint that we can bring about this match is that we know the story has been about Manic and TJP being the, the same person. Um, so Raju went, kept going for the mask and eventually he unmasked, uh, Manic and it was just TJP with face pain. So it kind of felt like they were trying to do the whole Desperado unmasking thing. We saw that, uh, like late last year. And obviously it wasn't even that cool because we all know it is TJP underneath. And, and so I don't know, that was kind of weak. Uh, commentary was kind of trying to sell it that. It, it wasn't TJP and Manic, but and like Striker said, like it's the same person. Deal Brown was not no man, they're not the same. I honestly don't mind. <laughs> uh, it's it is supposed to be the storyline. Like Striker is the babyface in ways because he's trying to defend the the babyface here. I don't care. Um, but that was really, that was really it. Like I, I think uh, in the episode of Impact from this week, they did address this and we're going to talk about it but uh i think it's over i think we're done with the whole tjp and manic uh tjp is now officially the champion so it's good we're we're past it but uh it was a fantastic match i i, I really really love this match this was my match of the night uh even more than the the kenny omega thing i really really love this match next up we had the Impact Knockouts title match, Diana Parasso defeating Taya Valkyrie. Um, 
Kimberly and Susan walked out with Diana and DK was out with Taya. Both teams got sent to the back really early in the match because they just kept brawling <laughs> outside. So it, it ended up just being Diana versus uh, Taya. And I thought this match was really short. I think this could have gone if they've if they would have gone like double the time they got, they could have had like an amazing match. But Diana Purrazzo tends to have matches similar to like the Japanese style where it's slow builds and then you head into the the like the finishing sequences. And since her slow builds tends to be like slow slow like working the limb. Uh, it it took like a lot of time to get to that point, and so it kind of felt like they took a twenty minute match and had it like in half of the time, and so it just kind of felt rushed. It didn't like when Taya submitted at the end. It didn't really feel like we were there yet, so it did kind of leave me hoping for more, which unfortunately we're not gonna get, but. It was nonetheless, I, I felt like a good match. Like everything was working properly. Um, I I guess I do have to mention that Taya right now is not the fastest wrestler. And so some spots that seem kind of slow, but not necessarily like bad executed, just slow, which kind of like it didn't help. Uh, but that's about it. Like I, I really liked it. Um, Purazzo's like the finishing sequence was Purazzo hitting like a Mystica into the Fujiwara armbar and then he went for she went for the Milo Venus, Venus the Milo and Berberly submitted Taya. So I don't know. If if Taya is leaving, then Purazzo had to get the win and she did it like in a dominant way, so it's good for, for Purazzo and for the title for that matter. Uh next up we had Arguably the worst thing that I well, it's the worst thing that I've seen this year, but it's also I think the worst thing that I've seen in a long time. This was worse than Pagano versus Chessman from Triple Mania. This was Ethan Page versus the Karate Man. And this is something that I shed on like prior. I've been I've, I've been shitting on this for the last month. Just because this is the worst use of the North that you can have. But, uh, but I don't know. Ethan Page wants to get his gimmick over because he's leaving. You know, whatever. So, to describe you, this was a two-minute uh, Mortal Kombat match, like not even good Mortal Kombat. It's like 1992 Mortal Kombat match with terrible green screen and and terrible comedy and 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 terrible acting for that matter. Uh, this is Ethan Page fighting his like uh, alter ego meme gimmick that he came up with uh i don't know like this wasn't this wasn't cinematic this was like yeah this wasn't a cinematic match to me this was yeah like when you have a cinematic match you're actually kind of like telling a story and you just like you're actually having a match but you just show it in a cinematic way this wasn't even that. This was just like a guy that learned how to use a green screen in his house and and did that. And it looked like shit. 
uh he went on twitter saying that oh like this is all impacts fold like i had like a, a more artistic version of this and i never wanted to use karate kid but like truth is like it editing even if impact like did 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 the editing and it was shit like nothing was going to save this this is still shit this is still like terrible green screen like usage this is uh terrible like acting like i said this is like an idiotic story like like i i, I made this comparison like you cannot take uh like citizen kane if you go and re-edit it like it may not be citizen kane but it's not gonna be Sharknado, and and the other way around. You cannot take Sharknado and make good editing and just make it win like a, a an Academy Award. You know, this was shit from the beginning, and no editing was going to save it. It may have made it worse, but it was still gonna be shit. You know, so I don't know. Fuck off, Ethan Page. You wanted to get your your. <laughs> Your Karate Man gimmick over before you left. You could have totally asked for a North match like LAX did, but no, you you went for for this, and you know, whatever. Good riddance. Uh and finally we go into the the end of the show. Well, not the end. We still have we have the barbed wire massacre match. This was Eddie Edwards defeating Sammy Callahan. Uh. This was a barbed wire match in every sense of the word. Everything was <laughs> wrapped in barbed wire. We had uh, weapons wrapped in barbed wire. We have wood wrapped in barbed wire. We had a cage with barbed wire. The spots uh, were barbed wire. Like they even at one point tape like like wrapped their hands with barbed wire to have like a Taipei death match. It was all barbed wire. Uh, it was bloody. They both men like were busted open like really early in the match, um, and but like beyond that, I didn't think it was like a dangerous match. I didn't think it was one of those uh, like hardcore matches that we've seen last year where it's spot spot spot, but the spots like take so much to build that it's just like non eventful. This one felt slightly more like a match where you just happen to like reach out and there's barbed wire and you hit yourself with barbed wire so in that sense i enjoyed it um there was a slight story told at the year of the start of the match where eddie was doing more of a like eddie was like pissed off and so wrestling angry was making it easy for callahan to attack him or to get the better of him because callahan was more on his game but then as the match started to progress, Eddie Edwards just got the better of Callahan and ended up winning with the Boston Knee Party and Emerald Flotion for the win. Uh, they, they made a, like a big deal about Eddie using the Emerald Flotion to win. I mean, he always uses it sometimes for big matches. But since we now had Matt Stryker, they made a big deal because he will name drop Misawa and stuff like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see Eddie Edwards transition into now more wrestling stuff and maybe do something uh, with Japan. I don't know. I don't know what's where it's going to go. But I, I thought this was, by all means, given that it's a weapons match, I thought this was really, really good. Um, 
and it does kind of feel like the end of of this story hopefully like this was barbed wire massacre four in the history of impact so it's a big deal they barbed wire massacres here are what helena cells used to be in wwe before they bastard bastardize the concept so they still mean a lot this should be the end of edwards versus callahan um so we'll see where if each man goes beyond this but yeah like i i i i like this match for what it was i thought it was really really good and then we go into the main event this was the match that everyone was talking about chris saban moose and rich swan versus the good brothers doc gallows carl anderson and the aw uh, champion kenny omega uh, omega pinned rich swan at the end of the match with the one we did angel after a magic killer from the good brothers so like in that sense uh omega was obviously protected but also swan it took a magic killer and the one winged angel itself to get pinned so you can't ask for better protection for a champion uh, the the things that most people were talking about this match is that at the end the mvp of the match was moose hands down he was the best wrestler in the match um it was just fantastic i've heard many analysts well not many just like a couple of analysts and journalists say that this was great because of Kenny Omega. Like everyone is surprised that Moose and Swan and Saving were good because they finally got to wrestle someone like Kenny Omega. And I call bullshit on that. Uh, that only tells me that you don't actually watch Impact or you haven't followed it. If this is, uh, if this is you thinking that Moose and Rich Swan are actually great because they've been fantastic for the last year. Uh, Granted, Moose doesn't get to wrestle many spot monkey matches like this one because this was a spot monkey match. Uh, Moose mostly works matches that just kind of like benefit his, I guess, his gimmick right now, like grow his gimmick in the sense that he has always been portrayed uh, as just like a tough guy killer for the last year. And for that matter, Rich Swan also like, has been doing more psychological matches where he is the baby face, you know, fighting from underneath. But this was just a, like a spot monkey match. And so obviously you do spots and spots, spots and, and Moose and Swan are just going to shine more because they're like, because people like spots, you know, because people sometimes see spots and they translate that as a good match. But to me, like you replace Kenny Omega with ace austin or chris bay and this you still have the same quality of match um if anything else i thought that kenny omega's presence made the good brothers had to look kind of weak because they had to do all the setup for kenny omega to come in and do stuff um so yeah like if anything else i can say omega was a good sport and he sold a lot for for moose and so on so that was good but yeah i mean it was this, it was a good match it was a really really good match uh it was like super action-packed mm. like i said moose was just easily the mvp of the match he was just on fire and i don't know where this goes it, it seems pretty obvious that it's going to be omega versus swan at rebellion the next pay-per-view 
and we are likely and unfortunately going to get moose and swan before that i don't know if it's going to happen at no surrender most likely but it is going to be unfortunate that moose will not be able to capture the title because they are going to give it to kenny omega because reasons so i don't know uh I am still way more invested in Moose versus Rich Swan than AW versus Impact. But hey, maybe things are going to change because uh we are we are now going to talk about Tuesday's episode where this Impact versus AW thing finally got things rolling. Um Yeah, well yeah, let's close Card Kill. Like I said, I thought it was a good show. Um, some great matches. The main event and the exhibition matches are totally things that you should go out of your way to watch. And for that matter, go watch an Ethan Page versus Karan Man. It's two minutes and you can rage along with me. But let's go into this week's Impact um, episode. This is the follow from Impact Wrestling, from Hard to Kill. And. The, the the reason that I say about the impact versus AW is because finally we saw some intervention, like actual actual intervention from AW in an impact show. Before that, to me it had always just been Omega and his buddies messing around with both promotions. Uh obviously both promotions take the like the take Omega and the group differently. It obviously wouldn't be the same. But in this show, it actually felt like an attack from AW to Impact. AW is the invading promotion at this point. And I don't know. Uh, we'll see where it goes. But like, let's let's go from the top. Uh, the show started with, obviously, the video recap of Hard to Kill. And... It was Don Callis telling us that he has plans for the future and he is going to be going to Jacksonville. Um, it was just a good promo. Show properly started with Eric Young defeating Rhino. Uh, this was it was a good ish match. Um, that the feud will continue. Uh, Tommy Dreamer was not in like outside with these guys he was in the show but he wasn't outside with these guys so i think he has been taken out of the feud and it's just now going to be rhino cousin jake versus violent by design which i have zero complaints with um i don't know like it was a good match but like also like nothing it was just to get more heat on on violent by design uh because they did pilmanize rhino's leg and so this may be how they write Rhino off for a bit to allow uh, Cousin Jake to fight Bylan by the sign by himself and maybe bring people in. I don't know where this is going to go. Um, they did bring up that Rhino is still the cha the winner of the Collier Shot Gauntlet. And he has been waiting for Heath to come back. I don't know where Heath is in terms of recovery. If he is ready, we may see Rhino and Heath back up Jake, uh, Cousin Jake towards No Surrender. So it does seem like it's going to be Cousin Jake versus Violent by the Sign for at least this month. Um, 
we saw a video from Hard to Kill where Moose and Rich Swan are being interviewed outside of like I mean back into the locker rooms and Moose attacks Rich Swan and just, he tells him like hey I told you during the match I'm 100% team impact but the match is over and my focus is back on the impact world title and it just made perfect sense and Moose didn't lie he said like during the match I am team impact and during the match he never betrayed Swan he even played they were even doing like double team moves so beautiful uh AC Romero was backstage with Tommy Dreamer and th they are finally killing off the story of who shot Johnny Bravo. Uh, Ace finally has the, the, the conclusion of his investigation. He has the evidence and he knows who it is. So he went to look for Tommy Dreamer so they can just deal with it. Um, I mean, it's it's the same thing we've seen. Uh, it you know it sucks, but they never pretend that it's good, nor do they include any like serious main eventer. So, like, at this point, it's just part of their. They always use just like like lower level mid carters. So, I don't mind, but it seems to be finally going to the end. Uh, we had the big uh, angle where where things turn around with Impact and AW. The Goop Brothers came out and they're pretty much bragging that they are the champions, blah, blah, blah. Chris Saban comes out and says like, hey, you know, like the Motor City Machine Guns never lost their title or we were not pinned uh, to lose the titles, uh, neither I nor Shelly. And so we won the titles back. The Goop Brothers say like, well, sure, but Shelly's not here. So you, you don't have a tag team partner. And Chris Saban says, like, I do have a tag team partner. And out comes the cowboy, James Storm, who seems to be flirting with Impact more and more now that the NWA is in hiatus. Um, and so they say, like, how about the cowboy and, and Chris Saban go after the titles? And then out of nowhere, Private Party and Matt Hardy come out. And they say that they are big deals. Uh, maybe they are to their to their families because they're not a big deal to me. Uh, but they pretty much like insert themselves into the title contention thing. And so the, the good brothers say like, okay, so I mean, if you guys want the title and you guys want the title, how about you guys wrestle and whoever wins will have a, a you know, we'll have a title match, which I mean, makes perfect sense, you know? So we have uh, Chris Saban and James Storm versus Private Party booked for later tonight. Um, it was a good segment. I no complaints. Matt Hardy is like mixed work. is It's good. Uh, James Storm is good. Chris Saban is pretty good, and the Good Brothers are good. So no complaints. Uh, we had an interview with Mark Cardona, uh, Matt Cardona. He is just saying that he is here in Impact to get an opportunity. So, okay, <laughs> like I said, I don't really care much about this guy. Whether he comes or goes, I don't really care much. Um, 
we had the Tasha Steels and Kira Hogan. They're making plans because they want to have like the big celebration for their win. Uh, the celebration is going to be next week. And I don't know what's going to happen there, but there was some comedy here with Falaba and Johnny Swinger. And at the end, everything turned out to be Falaba and Brian Myers challenging each other for a match. So good, whatever. Kimberly and Susan defeated Jordan Grace and Jazz. I was surprised that Jazz is here. It seems like she may be staying for a while. I I don't know. I don't know why, but I get the impression that Jazz is going to build to wrestle Diana Parasso potentially at No Surrender. Uh I think No Surrender is February 17-ish. Um uh, I don't have the date here with me. But it's around there. So we may be getting Jordan Grace versus Jazz, which in my opinion right now, it Jazz doesn't, I mean, Jordan, uh, Deanna Parasso doesn't really have uh, like credible challengers anymore. Everyone has left. And so Jazz is a good like contender for, especially like for a small show like No Surrender. So I have no complaints, but in this case, we saw Kimberly and Susan defeat and and pin Jazz after a, a belt shot from Diana Parasso. So, you know, they're 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 not even planting the seeds. You know, they're they're starting to do little angles to start things. Uh, we are probably going to see like proper development on next week. So there's that. Uh, and then after the match, we finally saw the ending to who shot Johnny Bravo and it turns out it was Taya Valkyrie because she she wanted Bravo out she was tired of Bravo being a terrible stooge for her uh if we all remember Bravo was with them because of Johnny Mundo and so once Johnny Mundo left Taya had to like just I guess keep him and then Johnny started to in a way, steal Rosemary away from Taya, and so she didn't like that. And so at at the end, uh, Taya just wanted to get rid of Bravo so she wouldn't marry Rosemary. And so it was pretty much done that Ro- uh, Taya Valkyrie was just taken away from security, like she's supposed to get like, arrested. And so that is how she's being written off from impact uh she and and rosemary had like a nice touching moment before she left and it was nice uh i don't know how far back they thought about doing the who shot johnny bravo angle to end taya's uh time in in impact but that is the one thing that i i cannot just complain about I said it with Wrestle House, and I now have to say with Johnny, the Johnny Bravo thing. If anything else, as stupid as this uh, comedy stories are, they all have led to an actual conclusion. It's not just fucking people getting eaten for sharks for by for like for the lols, you know. It's not just like random like bte stories this these comedy stuff have always led to an actual 
ending that sometimes builds to bigger things. Uh, so in that sense, I can't complain. <laughs> yeah, like they they closed the storyline with the departure of Taya Valkyrie and Taya. Like, I mean, compared Taya to Ethan Page, Taya had a, a title match and she put over the champion in a dominant way and she went on on her back and then she closed a storyline and that's it and that is how someone should leave a company not with a fucking two minute cinematic crap where you leave your tag partner just in limbo in nothingness and you don't put anyone over because the only people the only person you put over is your alter ego meme gimmick see like that's crap Taya Valkyrie, thumbs up. That is how you leave a company, you know? You close off storylines and you put people over. Fuck yeah. I am I, I fucking love Taya Valkyrie. I, I don't know where she's gonna go. I, I really, really hope she goes to AW because I don't think A WWE is going to really uh you know give her what she deserves, but I think she would be amazing in AW. So all good. Hopefully she, she has a good career after this. Uh, we had the, the usual, like Stone Tony Schiavone commercial. And he said that Tony Khan and Jerilyn are backstage at impact. So whatever, I mean, not whatever, but it's going to lead to something. <laughs> um, rich Swan and Moose had like a little segment in the ring. Uh, rich Swan wanted to fight Moose like right there. And now he, he was willing to put the title on the line. Moose came out with the usual shtick of we're going to do this on my time, which I mean, yeah, like sometimes this type of things made the babyface champions look like idiots. Like they may look like fighting champions, but they're terrible, like idiots when it comes to selling a show. And yeah, like it, it makes sense that, I mean, let's get the, the big purse from this, you know, like let's put a big show, like not just have fight for the sense of fighting. So smart by Moose, smart. We had a, a segment, the one I mentioned before, where we finally acknowledged that Matic was CJP. Uh, Scott Damore pretty much said, like, who, dude, like, the card said Manic, it wasn't CJP, but we all know the same person. Like, it was a loophole, and you fucking fell for it. So, like, just fucking deal with it, Rohit. And so Rohit asked for a match with Manic. Uh, Scott Damore gave it to him, but it's not going to be a title match. Uh, so... I wouldn't be surprised if Raku at this point gets a win over TJ or uh, at this point, I think it's we're ready to go into Ace Austin versus TJP, but I don't know what they're going to do with Rohit and, and Chris Bay. So it's going to be interesting to see how they, they maneuver these things. Um, but yeah, we're going to get Rohit Raju versus TJP next week, non-title. Uh, do we have Brian Myers defeat Falaba. The match was okay. Uh, again, like Falaba has lost a lot of like I don't know, like position and impact since he's, he went back into comedy. So this was it was like it was a good wrestling match, but like inconsequential. Yeah, Ace Aston. Uh, was being interviewed backstage and he pretty much complained about having to fight Matt Cardona. Um, 
Josh Alexander showed up and he got face to face with Austin. They traded words and so they got into a brawl. And then Matt Cardona ran in for the save. And so we are going to be getting Ace Austin versus and Matt Man Fulton versus Josh Alexander and Matt Cardona. Um I mean sure, whatever. The last thing I want is for Josh Alexander just being in our tag team. I think he like Josh Alexander is like Cesaro. He is an amazing wrestler that I don't think is ever going to get the the main event or the titles just because of their personalities. It's unfortunate, but uh, I don't know. Uh, we'll see where this goes. I am, I guess I'm not a fan of Cardona, so I don't, I don't, I'm not excited. Uh, we saw Eddie Edwards backstage being checked on by the doctor and Brian Myers uh, walked up. He wanted to get his eye checked because Falaba poked him during their match. And so it ended up being with Edwards and Brian Myers challenging each other for a match next week. That should be that that should be a decent match. Uh, and this little segment, for what it was, it was short and productive. You know, to set up a match. That's that's all you need. And finally, we get to the main event where Private Party defeated Chris Saban and James Storm thanks to Jerry Lynn and. Tony Khan, who Tony Khan sent Geraldine to interfere in behalf of Private Party, and so I thought there, there's several levels of interest, interesting stuff here. Uh, on one side, we are seeing in both AW and Impact the the heel turn of Private Party as they they go to to Matt Hardy's like liking inside of being heelish. But in the same way, we saw Tony Khan in a way acknowledge that his team had to cheat in order to beat the, an impact team. And I think that's really powerful. It hasn't been mentioned by anyone, but that is what I saw. I saw a Tony Khan that had to accept and acknowledge that his team was going to lose. And so he had to cheat. To win, and so in on impact, Tony Khan is arguably a heel uh, now officially, and and I think that's interesting. Private Party did earn the title shot against the Good Brothers, which is going to be weird because it's going to be heels versus heels, uh, and I don't think Private Party is going to take the titles away from the Good Brothers. I am, if you ask me, we are building to the Good Brothers taking the AEW titles from the Young Bucks. Uh, I don't know when, but I think that's what we're building to. So this may just be like a like a good chance for Private Party to get some experience, which they, I mean, they need it. They're, they're still totally green. And, you know, good wrestling guys like Chris Saban and James Storm and the Good Brothers is going to be a good experience for them. Obviously also working different promotions. So good for them. But yeah, like I, I, I just particularly like paid attention to that, that Tony Khan had to accept that his team was not the better team. So for so someone who has been talking shit uh, for a month now, he he now he had to cheat to win. <laughs> so that was the impact uh, episode. Uh, I think there's like the, the obviously the AW impact stuff is noteworthy. Uh, especially for most fans. I personally like 
like I said, like Moose versus Swan is my thing right now. But I think that between that, Tony Khan's presence, uh, Taya Bakri being written off from the show, I thought it was like just newsworthy and worth talking about. We are getting no surrender soon. We already have one match uh, signed. And we are starting to see hints of other matches that we're probably going to get during that show. So No Surrender should be a good show if everything goes correctly. But uh, it's already been a full show. Uh, and that is it for this week. It was we, we are done with Impact, I think, for a while, uh, at least for the big shows. We can go back to watching more more Puro Resu. But that is it for this week. Remember to go to Spotify and iTunes. Uh, and leave a, a like, a, a review, a comment, or whatever is available. Everything helps the algorithm to, to get the show to more places. Also, you know, go to Twitter and share the, the episode. Um, DW Revolution on Twitter. And you can go to TheWrestlingRevolution.com where you can find the written reviews of everything that we talked about today. You can go to Figure4W online where you can find the written recap of Impact. And that is it. I don't think I have any more plugs. Uh, let me know if you enjoy the draft episode. Uh, we are always looking for ideas to do and obviously people to invite. So... If you have ideas of things that would be cool to do, like drop us a line and, and let's get things uh, rolling. But that is it. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy, uh, you know, the the start of this year. We are done with the Reign of Terror. So let's, let's look forward and enjoy wrestling. And goodbye, everybody. Well, that's about it. Son of a gun, we've enjoyed it. Looking forward to next week. I guess we'll have to wait a week before we get to it, but we'll be right back again. For Corey Macklin, Dave Brown, Lance Russell saying bye-bye, everybody.